Welcome back to Boozy Bracketology, the podcast that believes in strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. And we are on our way to crowning a champion. We are on to the second quadrant in the round of 64 slash 68. And we've got our panelists. And if the first quadrant taught us anything, it's that we're all singing Kumbaya, drinking some Kool-Aid, having a good old time with no differing opinions whatsoever. Let's start by meeting our panelists first from Jacksonville, Florida. The first lady of Trivial Warfare, Carmela Smith. Carmela, my friend, how you doing? What are you drinking? Uh, I'm doing well. I am still drinking because uh, it's still my favorite. Uh, the the uh, peanut butter milk stout from Left Hand Brewing Company. Um, this is an open one, so I don't have a, a cool sound effect to make for you. Um, but it's still wonderful, and I st- I'm still enjoying it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lovely left hand. That, that left hand is oh, it's phenomenal. It really is. Let's keep the party rolling. Next up. Chicagoland's own hardest working woman in trivia, Jay Borsum. Jay, my friend, same two to you. You're going to say that in front of Carmela and put me on the spot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I was That's your moniker. Until... Hold on, hold on. That's your moniker. <laughs> I didn't give myself that name, and I actively refuted. Uh, I'm doing fine, except uh, all my Roberts are out, so I'm drinking more of the Siesta Key Spiced Rum. There's literally a Robert in the first pick here. <laughs> There are two Roberts in this little quadrant. <laughs> oh, good. You get to break my heart again. Justice for Robert. <laughs> <laughs> also, Jay is very hard to give a compliment to. She will not take them. No, she will not. <laughs> you get, If you give her attitude or sass, though, she's okay with that. Oh, oh yeah. No, I She's definitely into it. <laughs> I, I didn't yeah, think we, we kink shamed here, but. No, we don't. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. We're moving on. Brian. Brian Nash, how are you doing, sir? What are you drinking? I am doing fantastic. I just got done throwing away all my Piers Anthony novels. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tonight, I am once again drinking Captain and Coke with Wild Cherry Diet Pepsi. There you go. Well, I guess I got to bring the hard stuff then. Because I went with the orange liqueur last time. I decided to go with something a little bit sweeter this time. Uh, this is the uh, the Duke and Dame Salted Caramel. I think, Carmelo, this is up in your neck of the woods. Ooh. Um, I heard you talking about this. That sounds delightful. Yeah, it sounds really it's good. It's a salted caramel whiskey. I, I don't see where it's from. There's no like label on the bottle saying where it's from, but I thought it was from either Jacksonville or St. Augustine. Uh, it sounds like something we'd make. <laughs> uh, but th- I'm telling you right now, you take this, a third of this, a third of uh, of uh, Godiva chocolate liqueur, and a third of um, screwball whiskey. Ooh. Have yourself a snicker. It's good. Oh, just take it now, Chris. <laughs> Jesus. I love it when you talk dirty. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the one. Okay. It's me. <laughs> I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> All right, we're moving on. Raleigh, North Carolina's own Jeff Woodhead. Same two to you, sir. All right, well, so uh, I am doing all right, and uh, I'm back on the uh, full steam Strena train. Uh, the, this nice uh, blondie bar in a can that uh, worked well for the last episode, so let's go with it again. Hey, we'll take it. Last but not least, Fort Worth, Texas's own Steven. Sir, how are you doing, and what carbonated beverage is in your hand? 
okay, that's freaky. I don't know how you were able to guess it was carbonated. That's, you, that's... You, your OnlyFans is OnlyFans is up right now, sir. Your OnlyFans is live right now. <laughs> oh god damn it! Well, I, I mean, I wasn't planning on launching it until I got into the pig costume. But since you're here, I'll suck down a little bit more of my Mountain Dew Zero Code Red. How did you oink, get oink. behind your head like that? DDP yoga is my my guess. Practice, <laughs> practice, practice. <laughs> we are moving on. We're going to start right with our play-in game. The 16 seeds. Uh, Jeff, we talked about this earlier. You got to explain yourself here, sir. Later, not now, but later. Your two 16 seeds for the play-in game are going to be the 16 seed Robert Louis Stevenson or Shannon Mayer, and we're going to start this one off with Carmella. So I had to look and see who Shannon Mayer was. Um, and I mean, I, I would probably read them, uh, at least one of them, to see, you know, what was up. She seems to write kind of werewolfy, uh, paranormal, romancy kind of books. And that's cool. I'm, I, I could be into that. Um, I have read Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde so many times. Um, I, I think the first time I ever read it was one of those illustrated classics when I was in like elementary school. Uh, I was probably too young to read it, honestly, but I didn't care. I've read anything I could get my hands on. Um, and I, I've continued to enjoy it over the years. I think a lot of it still holds up. Um, and it's kind of relatable, you know, that having that other side of yourself that you, you try to control. Uh, but yeah, this is Robert Louis Stevenson for me, no doubt. Well, Robert Louis Stevenson's got the first vote. Next pick here is going to Jay. So, like Carmella, I had to, I'll, I'll cop to it, I had to look up uh, Shannon Mayer. So I went to Wikipedia, and I typed in her name, and you know what? Shannon Mayer doesn't have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> do, do you really need more than that at this point? Um, now, I, I will say this. Robert Louis Stevenson, to me, first and foremost, is the author of Treasure Island, one of the greatest adventure novels of all time. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there was a brief moment, I'll admit, where I'm like, huh, interesting addition. And then I remembered, of course, he wrote... The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, my son, when he got to middle school, we bought him a couple like uh, paperback all-time classic books in a collection. And that uh, collection had like four works in it. It had Dracula. It had Frankenstein. Uh, it had the picture of Dorian Gray. And it had The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, um, which is one of the great classics and absolutely the reason that we're talking about Robert Louis Stevenson right now. Uh, on a more personal note, uh, as a former uh, diehard theater kid with male lead aspirations, uh, one of my three all-time must-get roles was Jekyll slash Hyde in the under-respected uh, musical Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, and if you disagree with that, watch the Hasselhoff version. It is the train wreck you want it to be. Oh, it's um, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> RLS gets my vote. Uh, who the hell is Shannon Mayer? RLS picks up a second vote, and for those that are fans of like the you know erotic horror, I'll go ahead and uh, throw a plug out there for a friend of the show, Isabel Drake. If that's what you're into, she's got you covered. She actually sends a couple of the books. Very, very interesting stuff. But we're going to move right along. The next pick here goes to Brian. All right. Now that I've written down Jekyll and Hyde Hasselhoff, because I will be looking that <laughs> oh, up. Oh, it's so yeah. good. Oh, yeah. He um, chews the scenery yeah, it's so worth it. well. <laughs> when does he not? Yeah. <laughs> um, I Jay beat me to it. I everybody. I, I the ones I didn't know. I had to look up. I actually went through. I I made a document that I could pull up all of them, and it was oh Shannon Mayer doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. 
I, I pulled up her, her list on her site, and she's written a lot. And credit to that, because that's, I mean, she has a, she's accomplished. She's got, like, 40-ish novels, I think, um, and multiple series. And, and yeah, it looks like her, her big thing is werewolves. It's not my thing. So, uh, Jekyll and Hyde, Robert Lewis Stevenson, Treasure Island. I mean, basis for Treasure Planet, too. Mm-hmm. I, easy pick. This is Robert Lewis Stevenson all the way. Now, this is a quick play-in game. Next pick here goes over to Jeff. Oh, guys, no love for Kidnapped? <laughs> yeah, it's Stevenson. Clearly. <laughs> I don't have anything more to say. We'll just talk about it more in the next round. All right, Robert Lewis Stevenson's got four votes. Steven, do we have a sweep? Yeah, we absolutely do. Robert Lewis Stevenson's works are timeless, and Shannon is also apparently an author. <laughs> I'll feel really bad if she listens to this episode, but I'm I'm sorry. Who are you? <laughs> uh, like I said, I could be into it, but it, I mean, you have no chance against Stevenson. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a tough pull for a play-in game, Jeff. Yeah, you could you could pay somebody on Fiverr to create you a Wikipedia page. I'm just <laughs> well, Robert Lewis Stevenson is going to be moving on to the round. You can do of it yourself for free. That's true. We are going to move on. We have got a 16-to-1 matchup. The 16th seed is going to be Robert Louis Stevenson. No rest for the weary going up against the one seed from this quadrant of the bracket, J.K. Rowling. We're going to start this off with Jay. All right, before I start, uh, Chris, I just want to double-check. I have 60 seconds, right? I'll, I'll cut you a little slack. Oh, no, it's fine. 60 seconds is good. I'm going to spend 55 of them uh, drinking heavily from this bottle of spiced rum and uh, the other five saying, fuck J.K. Rowling. Uh, My vote is Robert Louis Stevenson, and I am happy uh, to go into detail on the off and terrible chance uh, that the one seed makes it through. No, I'm I'm going to drink for the next 55 seconds. Cheers. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Please do not chug that whole fucking bottle, Jay. We don't want to see you go to the fucking ER. Uh, in the interest of time, we're going to move on. Jay has made her point abundantly clear. Next pick here is going to, let's take a look, Brian Nash. Yes. So, the difficulty between the author and separating the author from the works, I, I loved the Harry Potter series. But I have to stand in solidarity. And Robert Louis Stevenson is, is going to be moving on on this, in this bracket. We're going to have a 16-1 upset on this because fuck J.K. Rowling. Well, Robert Louis Stevenson's got a 2 to nil vote over J.K. Rowling. The next pick here is going to Jeff. So I realize that I'm... Yeah, I I, uh, I get that a lot of the vote here is going to be anti-Rowling rather than pro-Stevenson, but man, did I somehow put in the strongest 16 seed in the history of Boozy? <laughs> Bravo, sir. Yes. What was I thinking when I put Robert Louis Stevenson? You could have made my Stevenson. goddamn life and put Salvatore in this bracket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been dope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> man, man, I get that. Because I think by the time 
a child is going to pick up their first Harry Potter book were they to read it they will have been they would have at least experienced the pirate aesthetic that Robert Louis Stevenson created they will have heard parents refer to something as a Jekyll and Hyde situation a direct reference to something Robert Louis Stevenson created and a century after people have stopped taking personality quizzes online about what Hogwarts house they're in and start yelling Expelliarmus or whatever the hell comes from those books and each other people will still be referencing Long John Silver and R. Matey and parrots on the shoulders of pirates with peg legs and all of this stuff that Robert Louis Stevenson created all of it is going to live on for a very long time so yeah my bad that's not a 16 seed right there uh, R.L. Stevenson moving on R.L. Stevenson is moving on Steven you're up uh, I mean let's, let's, let's be fair here uh, the Harry Potter books are very fine books as they are but this bracket is not about best fantasy science fiction books. This bracket is about best fantasy science fiction authors. And in this case, the author is a piece of shit that deserves all the hate she's getting. Absolutely going to go give this to Robert Louis Stevenson. Fucker. RLS has got a 4-0 vote. Carmella, there is no time limit here. It's over to you. Open it out. Say fuck turfs. Turfs don't deserve any respect. Fuck them. Um, Harry Potter as a cultural phenomenon, that's not a question. Totally understand. Whatever. However, the term separate the art from the artist likes to get thrown a lot around a lot. Um, I've explained this to some of you before. You cannot effectively separate the art from the artist when, one, the author is still alive, and two, they're actively making money from it and using that money to fund a platform that literally gets people killed, including teenage girls. Which recently just happened. Um, even there's problematic shit within the novels themselves. I mean, there's an entire subplot about a, a whole race of people that is enslaved. And it becomes a joke um, that one character is trying is working to liberate those, those people. And everybody else makes fun of her for it. So even within the work itself, there's problems. Um, but again, you actively use your platform to spread hate. Um, you take any endorsement of your work as an endorsement of your beliefs, saying, well, look at all these people that agree with me. And it is a stance that actively gets people that I know and I love, um, it puts them in harm's way and gets them killed. I am queer to my bones. I will stand up and support. I am honestly trans adjacent. If you think that I haven't questioned my own gender, you got another thing coming. Um, 100% fuck turfs. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde never hurt anybody. And that's why Robert Lucy Stevenson is a way better person and author than J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling, fuck you. Finally, something we can all agree on. If you don't know, we are allies here on the Boozy Bracketology and the Pub Trivia Experience podcast. We stand with you, we hear you, and we are here for you if there's anything you do need. We are moving right along, though. 
Oh, before we do, just yes. real quick, uh, before we we bury the body of J.K. Rowling and piss on the grave, can I just mention that um, as as everybody uh, pointed out, yeah, she's a turf, and obviously coming from me, especially fuck that. Uh, Carmela pointed out uh, very notably that her stance is weirdly pro-slavery uh, in the books, and fuck that. And uh, when when the pro-slavery elements of your work are the third worst part of your books because you also are deeply anti-semitic fuck that <laughs> and i just very much felt like that element of it needed to be brought to the table before we never speak of her again i'm okay with that to add a to try and add a little bit of levity i think this is the first time that every single panelist that we had earned the explicit tag in one vote yep <laughs> And I would, uh, and I would again. <laughs> Worth it. All right, saying are... if this were a PG thirteen movie, I'd be using the one fuck for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all together now, one, two, three. <laughs> fuck fuck her. I'll take it. I'll take it. J.K. Simmons is way better. <laughs> By far the best J.K. And I'm, yeah, I when can't you're not believe... even the best J.K. <laughs> like, not only is J.K. Simmons you, Thank you, thank better. you. We have him. He's right here. He's right here. <laughs> All right. We are moving on to our 8-9 matchup. This one's a little interesting. The 8-seed Shirley Jackson, the 9-seed David Eddings. We're going to start this one off with Brian. Okay, so Shirley Jackson. Um, I was I I had to look her up, but I have read her stuff. I loved her short story, The Lottery. It was it's it's one of those iconic classics. She also wrote The Haunting of Hill House, which I was not completely not aware of. Um, so I I was unaware of the last. Last episode, I was unaware of Piers Anthony's uh, downside. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. Uh, today, while researching this, I discovered that uh, David Eddings wrote the Belgariad. He wrote the Elenium, the Malorian, which are novels that I really, really enjoyed as a young person. Um, I just learned how horrible of a human being David Eddings was. And not only was he a horrible human being, but apparently he managed to sweep it under the rug that he had gone to jail for doing horrible things, and it didn't come out again until after he died. So I want to bring that to the forefront of my resounding pick for Shirley Jackson to make up for my fuck-up on the Piers Anthony thing. So, Shirley Jackson, my vote, let's go. Shirley Jackson's got a first vote. Next pick here is going to Jeff. Yeah, it was uh, kind of sad when I learned, you know, I was today years old when I learned that David Eddings was a piece of shit. Because uh, he was the one who got me into fantasy. And, like, one of the first fantasy authors I really read and one of the first series I really got into. Uh, that having been said... You couldn't really quiz me on what actually went on in those series. I have no concept of the plot. I think there was a princess frozen in crystal at one point. I have no, no idea. But the lottery lives rent-free in my head. Like, I think about that story probably two or three times a day. Just because of like, how 
well it's written. It's just a slow reveal as you slowly realize what's actually going on. And I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't read it because you deserve to have that experience. Uh, but man, that, that's a... Uh, I think the, just the fact that Jackson is able to write those things that stick in your head better means that she deserves my vote. Jackson's got a second vote. The next pick here is going to Steven. I've got a little bit of a quandary here. Um, my first exposure to anything related to Shirley Jackson was the Robert Weiss film, The Haunting of Hill House, the adaptation of that, which is just an absolutely brilliant film about this uh, this lady that's got this trauma from her home life she goes to this house which may or may not be haunted um, because they want to do like a ghost study there and she's had a previous paranormal experience she's being brought in and the movie is this fine perfect line about whether or not we're experiencing ghost or whether or not this is eleanor the main character uh slowly breaking down mentally and, and, and it's just wonderful the haunting in the the old sense of the word uh just a beautiful beautiful story and so i went up and I, I went out and got the book and i read the book and i loved it the same and then i uh i, I saw an interview or i read an interview with uh miss jackson and she said no it never occurred to me that eleanor was going crazy i just thought there were ghosts so hmm. <laughs> i think <laughs> That puts me in a quandary, because the hell, the best part of your book isn't in your book, according to you. <laughs> so I, I've got this bracket, and I thought, uh, well, I'll have to vote for David. But then it occurred to me, it just means she wrote an even better book than she thought she wrote. So because of that, because I've also read the lottery, uh, yeah, Shirley's going to get my vote here, but begrudgingly and harumphily so. Shirley Jackson's got three nil lead. It's she is gonna be moving on, but we want to hear from everybody. That includes Carmella. Um so I read the lottery. I had to read it in class, um, and I was in the fifth grade, so I was about ten or eleven years old. It's kind of a weird time to to make a bunch of kids read the lottery. Um, but I mean, I was ten or eleven. I'm thirty-five now, and that story has never left me. It's never left me. Um and then, you know, the haunting of Hill House, whether she intended it to be that way or not, um, was, uh, you know, it's it, what a twist and what that genre could be. Um, also, David Eddings is kind of a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he really is. Um, I, I'm not familiar enough with his works. Uh, when I was talking to Waco about it earlier, um, he's like, is it the person who wrote this? And he goes, the, the, the Bell Riad or whatever you guys said. And I'm like, yeah, I think so. And I looked it up and then immediately got like oh by the way this was actually a really terrible person and managed to sweep it under the rug long enough for him to have a career and die peacefully um and no one ever knew about it i think that that's just terrible but i i would i was gonna vote for shirley jackson anyway it's just that kind of hammers at home like yeah obviously shirley jackson shirley jackson's got another vote let's see here jay do we have a sweep uh i'm 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 a hundred percent sure that Shirley Jackson is going to move on, but here's my question. Uh, and it's rhetorical, but I'm surprised it didn't come up from anybody else. Is Shirley Jackson a fantasy or sci-fi author? Uh, because I, I know her from the same two works. Everybody else does the lottery, which is a great piece of psychological horror. 
Uh, it is maybe my favorite short story of all time. Uh, and I'm also well aware of The Haunting of Hill House, which is a wonderful masterpiece in, again, psychological horror. Uh, but I'll ask you this, uh, you know, just to kind of opine a bit. If Shirley Jackson is in this bracket and Edgar Allan Poe isn't, where is that distinction between the two? Now, that all said, the decision for me came down to, do I vote for a wonderful, acclaimed author that had uh, a piece of fiction that I resonated with strongly, uh, or do I vote for somebody who is inarguably a fantasy author? Uh, and it's real easy now um, that I learned the same thing everybody else did, that David Headings was a huge pile of crap. Uh, Shirley Jackson is going to sweep here. Shirley Jackson is an amazing author, uh, but I do want to put that nucleus in everybody's head that uh, Shirley Jackson is a great author in maybe a different bracket. So, ladies and gentlemen, we actually have a first here on the Boozy Bracketology podcast. The first three picks of this side of the bracket have all been five nothing sweeps. <laughs> that has never happened before. Oh, the group think is strong with us. I told you all, this is just going to be a bunch of people singing Kumbaya. It's going to be an easy, nice, and easy bracket. We're going to we're oh, going to keep the good wait. times rolling. Well, stops now. Yeah, yeah, this is a good last. Hey, trivia lovers. Want to get the pub trivia experience in an interactive way? Check out Liquid Courage Entertainment. With a wide range of offerings online, LK has you covered. Streaming a wide variety of trivia games on Twitch with one-of-a-kind formats like Tringo, Guestimate, Mega Sheep, and more. Or check out the World Trivia Federation. With 36 hours to answer each quiz and no obligation, the WTF is the perfect solution to scratch that trivia itch on your own time. Come see us at twitch.tv slash liquid underscore courage or check out patreon.com slash liquid courage to join the WTF for as little as $2 a month. That's liquid courage with a K. Innovative, interactive, intoxicating. Well, let's see here. We have got a 12-5, maybe an upset brewing. The 5 seed, George R.R. Martin against the 12 seed, my favorite Christmas carol, Harry Turtle Dove. <laughs> Jeff, you're up. All right, the puns well, aren't going to stop. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm going to give Martin credit for taking the uh, the genre of fantasy that likes to romanticize medieval European life and making medieval European life be the kind of festering cesspool that it actually was. Uh, that having been said, Harry Turtledove was an introduction to sci-fi and speculative fiction in a lot of ways. We don't have a lot of alternate history authors on this bracket. I felt like we needed one. And so why not put someone whose books I just kind of swallowed whole when I was a teenager? Uh, Harry Turtledove actually, weirdly enough, for someone who went through you know, eight years of Hebrew school and then years of post bar mitzvah Hebrew school after that I didn't learn about one of my personal heroes Mordecai Anilovich until I read a Harry Turtle book <laughs> and Anilovich for those of you who don't know was the uh, the leader of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising during the Second World War um, I really have always enjoyed Turtle Dove stuff uh, I'm not sure how well it ages but it's fun and interesting and makes you 
think about, oh, how narrow are these threads that history stands on? And it kind of like triggered my turning into a history nerd. So I'm going to give my vote to Turtle Dove here. Turtle Dove's got the first vote. Next pick here goes to Steven. Dear J.R.R. I know it's not J. You say that you can't complete your epic fantasy series because your characters are apart and you can't figure out how to get them back together. Let me suggest this to you. These are works of fiction. If your characters are getting too far apart, you don't have to keep writing it. You can delete it and write stories where they're closer together. Number two. If you're too dumb to understand how fiction works and can't rewrite it so your characters are close together, you have invented a fictional world which includes magic and gods with undefined powers. How can you not get your characters back together when you can literally have anything happen due to the magics and gods with undefined powers? You, sir, are a terrible writer. I don't care if HBO saved your ass and made you relevant. You're bad at your job, and you should feel bad about it. Turtle Dove gets my vote. I'm still waiting for Steven's wife to come in there and tell him to tone it down just a smidge. <laughs> I definitely had to turn my headphones down. <laughs> I have to be able to hear tomorrow. <laughs> no, I do. I have to hear for my job, sir. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't want to hear. I, I, I have to hear for my job too. I'm just thinking if those meetings are worth it. See how far away I'm holding the mic. <laughs> You know, here's here's the fun thing. I was on an airplane uh, Friday and Sunday uh, heading out to California, and my right ear has been clogged up for the last 36 hours. I'm good now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carmela, over to you. All right. Um, I will be uh, quite honest. I don't know as much about Ter- Harry Turtle Dove, um, but I went ahead and I looked at his work, and one of his – I mean, speculative fiction. I enjoy speculative fiction. I think Philip K. Dick did speculative fiction very well. Um, I think we're going to talk about him later on. Uh, but he's got a whole series called Southern Victory, and I'm just I'm not into it. Um, I, I mean, that would be a series that would just not grab me. It would not encourage me to read any Harry Turtle Dove, and that maybe that's unfortunate for fans of Harry Turtle Dove. It just I'm, I'm not. I live I live in the South. I I have I deal with that enough. <laughs> um. George R. R. Martin, actually, uh, A Song of Ice and Fire is, you can call him a terrible writer all you want, that's your opinion, cool. Um, when I first picked up a, a Game of Thrones, the first novel, um, I got to a scene in the book where one character pushes a child out of the window, and I had to close it, and I put it down, and I'm like, I don't know if I could read this. Over the course of the next, that book and the next four that character who I vehemently hated ended up being one of my favorite characters in the whole book. His whole arc, how George R.R. R. Martin managed to magically make that happen, I don't know, but it speaks to how well his storytelling goes. Do I wish he'd finish the fucking thing? Yes, I absolutely do. <laughs> However, my favorite George R.R. R. Martin book is not anything in the Song of Ice and Fire. It is Tough Voyaging, which is sci-fi. His sci-fi work is incredible. If you've never read Tough Voyaging, highly recommend it. I am voting for George R.R. R. Martin. George R.R. R. Martin is getting a vote, and that will say she... Carmela, that in the, uh, the Southern Victory uh, series, South basically turns into Nazi Germany, so... Fun! Super <laughs> pro-Southern uh, we are here. 
It's um. Well, I mean, it turns into Nazi drama. I don't know if that's also a. a I, I don't want to read that. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm not. Totally fair. Totally fair. <laughs> we are moving not going on. To, not going to talk at you for that. I just thought it was kind of a funny little tidbit. We are moving on. The next vote here is going to Jay. Yeah, I'm, I'm still getting over the fact that you used the phrase Nazi Germany and funny little tidbit within five seconds of each other. <laughs> So, so the Jewish panelists, I can get away with it. I mean, fair. <laughs> okay. Uh, here, here's where I'm at with this combination. I, I think Harry Turtledove, in my mind, suffers from a lack of recognizability uh, in name and in the titles of his works. Uh, I am a big fan of the concept of alternative history fiction. Uh, I think works like Wolfenstein, the video game series, The Man in the High Castle, uh, have a lot of value. And I love that, that core concept of, let's see what would happen if... Uh, because it lets you go back in time and kind of it retrospectively analyze uh, things from a different perspective. Um, that said, George R.R. R. Martin has had at least 13 years to write a fucking book. His job is to write fucking books. He has successfully done this on several occasions. Um, George, to me, is on incredibly thin ice. Because I legitimately worry that uh, there won't be a George R. R. Martin uh, at the time that the book is going to necessarily be concluded when my grandkids are born. Uh, so, uh, George, you are on notice. Finish the book. Finish the series so we can all move on with our life. Um, but as much as I want to give a sweetheart vote to Harry Turtledove, the, the fact of the matter is I don't know enough about him. Uh, and hundreds of millions of people worldwide are... Uh, to be fair, legitimate and, and supportive fans of the universes that George R. R. Martin has built uh, for that. And George has to have my vote. George picks up another vote. Hey, you know what? After three straight sweeps, we got a two to two tie. Before we bring this last pick here over to Brian, does anyone want to lodge their buzzer beater? Well, that ice did get a little bit thin. Maybe it's because of all that fire. Brian, you're up. Well, it's probably a good thing that you did not waste a buzzer beater on this because I have a strong opinion about this one. Um, Harry, I, I am familiar with the name. I have not read his stuff. I have read a lot, lot, lot of George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, Song of Ice and Fire is brilliant. As Jeff said, um, the one that I'm going to bring up that nobody else did was I, I, I have heard rumors that they're working on turning another George R.R. R. Martin series into a new show, and I'm praying that it happens, and that's called Wild Cards. Oh, Wild Cards, yeah. I, I, I freaking loved the Wild Cards series. I hope it happens, because that's a superhero story that needs to be told. At least up through about book six. After that, it kind of <laughs> it went off the rails a little bit. But... At least there was a book six. Series do that, honestly. Well, uh, they think up through, uh, Maybe just Martin doesn't know how to end things. He, just, yep. he can't end things. So, so yeah, this was, this was not a hard pick for me at all. This was a quick and easy... George R.R. R. Martin is most definitely moving on. And he is. Mike Mott can now 
perfectly safely park his car and not run it off a road. (laughs) And we are moving on. (laughs) Our next pick here, Stephen, you're kicking us off. You got the four seed Lewis Carroll, the 13 seed Patricia Briggs. Take us away. Um, I'm trying to be as nice as I can here. Uh, That's the first. But I, I don't have to be because I actually fucking adore Lewis Carroll. I, I think he's very clever and very witty, and I think his nonsense is thought-provoking. I think his poems are exceptional. He's a master of meter. I, I think when he includes you know little stories at the end of his actual tale about you know Achilles talking to a tortoise about an infinite race course, that that's one of the smartest introductions you'll get to math, which was his principal thing. There's a reason why he's he's an amazing writer, an amazing thinker. Um, no, I'm, I'm going to stay nice. I'm not going to say anything wrong about Miss Briggs. Um, Lewis Carroll, really, he's so much more than Alice, and even if he was just Alice, that would make him worthy of moving along. So, Carroll gets my vote. Lewis Carroll's got the first vote. Next pick here goes to Carmella. Uh, I'm not super familiar with Patricia Briggs. I had to look her up, honestly. Um, I, I mean, looking at her stories, I, I probably would read them. Um, but Lewis Carroll has stuck with me since I was a child. Um, I mean, just the, the concept of Wonderland as a world has endured the centuries at this point. Um, it's, it's clever writing. It's, I mean, yes. Was the man on drugs? 100%. And you know what? It worked for him. (laughs) It really did. Uh, extremely intelligent man, a, a very clever man as far as his wordplay. Um, and Wonderland uh, as a world has stuck with me since I was a child. Um, I, I 100% voting for Lewis Carroll here. Lewis Carroll's got a 2-0 lead. Jay, what do you say? Uh, so the the thing for me is that I, I want to throw some love and support uh, for you know, non-cishet male white authors uh in these genres so uh patricia briggs i want to to start that race to the finish with you know just a step ahead uh but as i i learn about her uh and her uh works and bibliography it just nothing ticks a box for me strong enough uh to put her up against one of the the absolute great smiths of the english language uh one of the best poets uh, that I've come across. Uh, and those that know me know I have a penchant for mathematics and I am going to give a sweetheart vote uh, to a legitimate mathematician who crafted mathematical education into children's literature in a way that you don't realize you're learning it until way after the fact. You look back and you go, oh, I get it now, Mr. Dodgson. Um, I I don't see a universe where Lewis Carroll does not deserve to move on in this bracket. And I, I, I feel like I'm disrespecting the work of Patricia Briggs and her work should be respected. But uh, again, it's a tough, tough battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lewis Carroll is four seed for a reason. I would argue higher. All right, Brian, over to you. Uh, really, I only have one thing to say. Twas brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wave. <laughs> All mimsy were the bora groves, and the momraths outgrave. Uh, Patricia Briggs, uh, I'm with Carmella. I, I don't know anything about her. Reading just a quick synopsis of what her stuff's about, I'd give it her a shot. But 
I don't know her. And I most certainly know Lewis Carroll. So, easy pick. Lewis Carroll's getting my vote. Jeff, over to you. Yeah, I mean, you gotta go with the uh, the math nerd satirist here. Uh, 5-0, moving on. We'll talk more about Lewis Carroll next round. Another sweep. Lewis Carroll is moving on to the next round. We've got one, two, three, four picks left this episode. And that means, Carmela, you're kicking us off here. The sixth seed is Robert Jordan. The 11th seed is Susanna Clark. Take us away. All right. I'm probably going to, people are going to yell at me, probably, and that's fine. Um, that That's okay. Uh, I understand what the wheel of time is for the genre um, and the, the tropes and the, and the things that Robert Jordan leaned into and, and helped, you know, craft and all that stuff. Totally get it. Um, when the most resounding uh, endorsement of your series is like, give it to book four. <laughs> this is not not really gonna grab me um it's a series that apparently went on far too long uh unfortunately and, and it's the thing that i'm afraid is gonna happen to grim um that robert jordan died before he finished it and it had to be finished by brandon sanderson um but again if you're the most ringing endorsement for your series is to give it to book four and it's they're not little books um that doesn't grab me uh jonathan strange and mr norrell is an incredible book uh, I think Susanna Clark is an incredible writer. Um, it's just, it's hard to put, put up against Robert Jordan, who did a lot for the genre. However, again, uh, it's, I've only got so long to live <laughs> and I'm going to read Susanna Clark before I read Robert Jordan. Uh, so Susanna Clark is going to get my vote here. All right. Susanna Clark gets the first vote. Jay, over to you. Uh, I'm going to base my decision in this bracket on uh, something I mentioned in the most recent one, and that's, again, uh, representation uh, away from the, the, the standard. Um, now, I'm not saying that's... I'm, I'm making my decision on the fly, let me tell you that right now, uh, because I, uh, going into tonight, was not familiar with the name uh, Susanna Clark. I feel like I have vaguely heard of uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Um, I admit that it sounds a little bit like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde on name alone, but as I uh, dug a little deeper. No, it's it's in that alternative history vibe that I've I've uh, railed towards uh, in previous discussions on this episode. Um, but you get to Robert Jordan, and Robert Jordan, as Carmela said, is very well known for the Wheel of Time, which is potentially one of the best known fantasy series of the 20th century, uh, and extending in, uh, of course, with the the work of Brandon Sanderson. Um, but in addition, it should be noted that that Robert Jordan also uh, wrote several works in the Conan universe. Um, which certainly qualifies uh, his inclusion in the bracket in that and that alone. Um, but here's here's the thing. I'm 42 years old and I have yet to crack a Wheel of Time book uh, and nobody has yelled at me enough for that in my nerddom. So I'm I'm going to go the direction of Susanna Clark and I'm going to leave it up to the gents here uh, to politic for Robert <laughs> Jordan, which I don't think doesn't deserve to move on, uh, but I'm going to make him earn it. All right. Well, let's see if they can earn it, starting off with Brian. Okay, <laughs> Susanna Clark's Jonathan. Uh, yeah, uh, Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell is sitting on my bedside table right now. It has been sitting there for at least five years because I have picked it up and read it and got bored and put it down, and picked it up and read it and got bored and put it down. I have still not finished that book. 
I have read the entire Wheel of Time series three times. I fucking love the Wheel of Time. And I I disagree with the wait until book four. The first book, it grabbed me from the get-go. Yes, it's a big fucking series. It's epic. There's lots of characters. You have to pay attention to names. But if you're able to wrap your brain around that many different characters, it's fucking brilliant. And I had I, I read it early enough to where I had to wait for the next book to come out. And as each book came out, I would reread the whole series to refresh me on what came next. And I got through the whole damn thing. And the payoff at the end, no spoilers, the payoff at the end was fucking worth it. It is such an, a magnificent epic. Uh, resoundingly, I cannot vote hard enough for Robert fucking Jordan and Brandon Sanderson, who should be on this list by himself, but I note that he is sadly not anywhere to be seen on the list. Mm-hmm. But Robert Jordan absolutely deserves to go to move on and should move on over Susanna Clark. Well, Jeff is quickly finding out how hard it is to put a bracket together and listen to four other people crash it. <laughs> Jeff, over to you. Dude, y'all trashed the hell out of the one-hit wonder bracket, too, so I am not unused to this sort of abuse. But uh... <laughs> All right. To me, this is the battle of y'all need an editor. Uh... The Wheel of Time series, it's funny that, Brian, that you describe Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell the way you do, because that's how I feel about the Wheel of Time. I can't get into it. And and maybe that's just because of what I'm drawn to, that I'm not necessarily drawn to the sort of fantasy that Robert Jordan represents. Uh, and maybe I'm more drawn to the sort of fantasy that Susanna Clark represents. Uh, you know, Clark hasn't necessarily doesn't necessarily have a huge bibliography to her name. And yes, Jonathan Strange goes on a little long, but I think it's more interesting. Uh, I'm, I guess, my. My vote's the third one. I guess I give Clark the the victory here. But yeah, this is a tough choice. Jordan absolutely deserves the plaudits he gets just for his influence, but the writing is just so dense and man, snap get make it a little snappier. Alright, Steven, it's over to you. Okay, um, the Wheel of Time is not good. I don't know why we're continuing to pretend this. I know it was a big thing when it came out. It it was apparently groundbreaking. I, I, I don't... I guess maybe because it sort of tried to marry like Eastern philosophy with, with Abrahamic religions. And, but, you know, you get exhausted trying to read Jonathan Strange, Mr. Norrell. Just trying to refresh myself for this. I think I fell asleep three times reading the synopsis on Wikipedia for Wheel of Time, because <laughs> that thing is six pages long just to describe the setup for it. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. John the Strange Mr. Norrell is a lot of hell of fun. Uh, you go back, you, you gotta fuck around in the Napoleonic Wars. Who doesn't love that? And there's magic. 
That's, that's, that's it. That's the premise. Napoleon, magic. Beautiful. Sold. I'm there. Uh, Jonathan Strange, Mr. Norrell, uh, Susanna Clark, take it away. And I will. Susanna Clark moves on to the next round. We bid adieu to Robert Jordan. We got three um, picks left. Listeners, I wish you could see the face Brian is making right now at that at that outcome. I appreciate who he is to the genre. I totally understand. It's just it it, it he doesn't grab me. I'm sorry, man. I, I don't mean to shit on your face. My heart hurts right now. <laughs> yeah, hey man, I'm, uh, I'm fully expecting some stuff in the next couple of rounds. So you know, yeah, Brian's gonna get us back. Just wait. We're we're gonna get Jeff set up with a, a pub trivia experience email address, and you can just go ahead and email him directly on my email. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of the devil, uh, we're actually nope. Never mind. I have Jay written down. This is actually obviously Jay Borsum and not Jeff Woodhead. I just had Jay written down. My apologies. The not the devil. Um, I I am maybe devilish. That's my trivia players. Devil is not inaccurate. I have I have no. played World Trivia Federation, so I have cursed your name on more than one occasion. <laughs> and you're doing <laughs> it right, my last friend. Last week I was like. Oh, the first three questions. I got at least each of these. And then I was like, I know none of the rest <laughs> of these. God damn it. It's never a sprint. It's always a marathon. That's true. Jay, you're starting off here. The three seed Terry Pratchett, the 14 seed Terry Goodkind. Oh, my God. And no Terry Jeffords on this Battle of the Terrys. We're going to leave this over to you, though. Oh, uh, the, the vote is is obvious here. It's it, Terry has to win. <laughs> I mean, no brainer. Um, no, call, beyond. Yeah, I know. Hot takes uh, coming from this corner. Um, it, it comes down very simply to the Terry, whose name is very familiar to me, and the Terry I had to look up uh, 20 minutes ago. Um, and in that looking up of Terry, uh, good kind or good kind or, you know, good burger, um, here's a sentence uh, that I wish I didn't have to read. Goodkind was a proponent of Ayn Rand's philosophical approach of objectivism. Um, Carmela, you know better than most how I feel about uh, Ms. Rand. Um, for that we, reason... We are in agreement, uh, yes. ma'am. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, for that reason, I don't think I have to politic too hard for why Terry Pratchett, who may or may not be a have been a literal wizard, um, ends up moving on in this bracket for... It's Discworld. Terry Pratchett's got the first vote. Next pick here is going to Brian. So I completely agree with you, Jay. Um, actually, though, I read the entirety of uh, Terry Goodkind's Sword of Fire series. The early books were actually really fucking good. Um, it was the farther along we got the more the objectivism and good kinds personal views of worldviews really came into it more and more and more to where it was just, ah, the, the last several books were a slog of political diatribe. And uh, I, I loved his early stuff. Wizard's first rule was fucking brilliant. It had some S and M stuff in there. You're like, ooh, but it was it was still very enjoyable. Whether you're into that part of thing or not, but Terry Pratchett, we're fuck talking Discworld, man. There, there's no, there's no comparison. Uh, 
Terry Pratchett's Discworld is timeless and wonderful and brilliant and hilarious. And Terry Pratchett absolutely is moving on. Jeff. So when I was about 12, 13 or so, uh, my dad noticed, I guess, that his sense of humor and mine may have sort of aligned in some ways and uh, my dad handed me a book and he said you need to read this the book was called Hard's Gods by uh, it was the first of the City Watch books the book that introduced us to Sam Vimes and Carrot Iron Founders and uh, Nobs colon my lord and I laughed my ass off and I was engaged in the narrative and it was so much fun and so I have spent the last almost 30 years since then reading most of the Discworld series uh, as well as of course Good Omens the book he did with Neil Gaiman and the uh, the Long Earth series that he did with I don't know what Pratchett is a core memory, a core part of my being. He's, uh, I'm pretty sure, like, half my sense of humor comes from him. There's no way I'm not voting for him. Derry, Pratchett, moving along. Pratchett is moving along. I want to hear from everybody, though. Let's go over to Steven. Here's all you need to know about Mr. Terry Pratchett. Uh, when he went to conventions, he used to wear a custom-made shirt. And that shirt read, Tolkien's dead, J.K. Rowling said no, Philip Pullman couldn't make it, hi, I'm Terry Pratchett. (laughs) And that sample right there should let you know exactly what you're going to get when you crack open a Terry Pratchett novel. Absolutely, Pratchett gets my vote. Pratchett's got four. Oh my lord. All right. Carmela, take us home on this one. Uh, All right. So... I'm voting for Terry Pratchett. I mean, it, uh, Terry Pratchett is a is a person who the the stories were wonderful. Uh, he is a man who did not take himself seriously. His work definitely didn't take itself seriously. Um, just a, a magical world. Even just based on Good Omens alone, I would vote for Terry Pratchett over Terry Goodkind. Terry Goodkind was kind of an asshole and definitely took himself way too seriously. Um, I don't think anyone has had a bad thing ever to say about terry pratchett um it was really sad you know when he got to the end of his life and was starting to you know succumb to to alzheimer's and and all that and um but just just the world that he created with this world and just the kind of person he was knew terry pratchett it's terry pratchett 100 percent terry pratchett's got a sweep moving on to the round of 32 we are moving on two picks left brian you're kicking us off the 7-10 matchup, the 7-seed Robin Hobb, the 10-seed Terry Brooks. Okay, so I read my first Terry Brooks novel, The Sword of Shannara, shortly after I had finished reading The Lord of the Rings for the first time. And all I could do the whole way through was go, this is a ripoff. This whole thing is a fucking ripoff. Down to, oh, 
the wizard, excuse me, the druid, Alanon. He died. Oh, wait, no, he came back. It, it was almost a page for page, like, total, like, knockoff discount version of Lord of the Rings. And I'm like, what the hell is the deal with this guy? Um, I did give him another shot later on. I tried the, uh, he, he also did a series called the, the Kingdom of Landover. I enjoyed that series, but it was very formulaic, formulaic, and every story in that dude just needed to get over himself, and once he finally got over himself, he was able to finally win. And that was the whole, that, that was the entirety of it. Robin Hobb, though, the Farseer trilogy, the live ship traders, the realm of the elderlings. Uh, Robin Hobb's a great, great author. Uh, and not formulaic. I'm absolutely giving my vote to Robin Hobb. Robin Hobb's got a first vote next pick here is to Jeff. Yeah, nothing to add to what Brian said. Robin Hobb's the <laughs> clear choice here. Short, sweet, and to the point, my tired eyes. Thank you, sir. Steven. I was concerned when this one came up because I thought I had not read anything by Robin Hobb. So I had to look her up. And it turned out I had read one of her books, uh, but she had written it under a different name. So I'm familiar with her from Wizards of the Pingeons, which she wrote under the name Megan Lindholm. Uh, and I love that book. That book is an amazing book. Uh, I highly recommend Wizards of the Pingeons. It's this great like urban fantasy where where it's you know it's, it's really more about you know homelessness and mental illness but it's using fantasy the way fantasy should be used to examine those in a deeper way that it's hard to talk about otherwise uh i think it's brilliant and it's one of those things that i don't think many people have read besides me because anytime i mention it people are like wizard of the pigeons i thought it was called wizards of the coast and then i have to slap them so <laughs> robin hobb despite the fact that her name is not on the book I read, gets my vote. Robin Hobbs got another vote. Next pick here is going to, hmm, let's go to Carmella. Ooh, you can pick me. Um, so I'm not as familiar with Robin Hobb. I, I have uh, I have a couple of her things in my, my TBR, um, and it looks interesting enough. I've read quite a bit of Song of Shannara. Um, I enjoyed them. I totally get the criticism, and it's totally valid. Um, I, I would grab it probably before wheel of time i mean just to kind of twist that dagger a little bit more brian i apologize i love you dearly you know that i do um <laughs> fired <laughs> um but it's because i'm kind of into that you know like tolkien-esque kind of things and maybe that's a flaw that i need to examine however um again that criticism of terry brooks is completely valid don't see anybody really saying that about Robin Hobb and her books look dope and I do plan on reading them and I'm going to vote for Robin Hobb. <laughs> Robin Hobb's got another vote. Do we have another sweep on our hands, Jay? Well, here, here's my take on it. We already voted a Terry into the round of 32 um, <laughs> and I'm of the strong opinion that we uh, didn't vote enough Roberts into the round of 32. <laughs> look, I get that we have two Roberts in the round of 32. Look, Stevenson is great. Jordan is great. But I'm still holding a grudge on Salvatore, and I'm still holding a grudge on Aspirin. I came in with an agenda, and I got shot down. Um, <laughs> Jordan didn't make it, Bubble. Yeah, Jordan didn't make it. Jordan yeah, lost Jordan 4 one. God damn it, Jordan didn't make it! <laughs> Look, I'm drinking 70-proof rum over here, y'all, and you're stout. She did. She did drink a lot in, in that beginning of the top. <laughs> but, in. 
Jay. Robin is not Robert. But it could Close be enough. if you drink enough. Um, but <laughs> no, to bring it back to seriousness, uh, I'm not familiar um, with Robin Hobbs' work, in all honesty. Terry Brooks, I'm familiar with his work by name and by name alone. Uh, but in the research going into this episode, um, something jumped out to me. Robin Hobb is an author who does focus on, among other things, uh, topics like queerness and gender identity. And I'm going to give her the nod for that and for that alone. Oh, there we go. We got another sweep. How about that? All right. We are moving right along. Our last pick of the night, Jeff, you are kicking us off. The two seed, the incomparable Stephen King. The 15 seed, CJ Cherry. What do you think? Yeah, we've talked about where horror fits into the fantasy sci-fi idea here. Uh, you know, why people like Stephen King and Shirley Jackson are on the bracket and Edgar Allan Poe isn't and... I don't know, I just had a fucking brain fart. I would have put Edgar Allan Poe on here because I think horror does deserve to be in the same category as sci-fi and fantasy in general. That having been said, yeah, I read a uh, I read Firestarter. I was kind of underwhelmed. Uh, haven't really been moved to pick up another Stephen King book. Uh, haven't really been moved to pick up a C.J. Cherry book at all, honestly. Uh... I guess I gotta vote for Stephen King just because of the cultural impact here, but I don't really give that much of a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen King picks up an apathetic vote. I'll throw another name out there for you. One of the few writers that I've read more than one book on, Max Brooks. But hey, oh, yeah. what do I oh, know? Yeah, love Nell's kid, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not on this list, Jeffrey. See, I can get my digs in, too. Next pick <laughs> here goes to Stephen. King is an interesting author because his plot lines are incredibly stupid and poorly thought out. But he really excels at describing how a character feels in these really stupid situations. That's 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 his trick, and he's phenomenal at it. So you write a book about a woman and her son stuck in a car because there's a rabid St. Bernard outside. Most people couldn't turn up you know, 200 Coke-fueled pages, but Stephen King can. And Stephen King is absolutely a fantasy author because he's got the Gunslinger series. He's got, like, nine books or whatever it ended up being laid out there, which is pure fantasy and metaverse, and it's actually really, really good once it gets going. Um, yeah, King is a, a good discerning second seed. He's got such a body of work that for every bad book he's got, and there are a few... Because he's so prolific, there's going to be three other ones that he's really exceptional at. And he makes you what the characters feel. So, uh, yeah, I, I like reading Stephen King books. Stephen King is my vote. Stephen King's up 2-0. Next pick here, we're going back to Carmella. All right. So, I with this particular matchup, I feel bad particularly for C.J. Cherry. C.J. Cherry's won, like, four Hugos. She's got a, a, a really great body of work. Um, But you put her up against Stephen King. And that just sucks. I think she would have easily taken some of these other people that we've been talking about this evening. Um, here's the thing. Uh, one, Stephen King definitely falls into fantasy with the Dark Tower series. Uh, he's also written some sci-fi. Tommy Knockers deals with aliens. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he definitely deserves to be here. Um, but, I mean, cultural impact alone, Stephen King as an influential writer, I would rather read a Joe Hill book. Joe Hill is his son. Um, I've read lots of joe hill books i think i've read three stephen king books 
my mom reads a, a lot of Stephen King. Waco reads a lot of Stephen King. Um, and it, it's just, it, it's, I, I've actually read his book on writing. I, I've read that a couple times. I mean, he he knows how to craft a story. It, it, are the plot lines on paper kind of stupid? Yes. However, I think it's immense talent to take a plot line that sounds kind of stupid on paper and turn it into something amazing. <laughs> um, but Stephen King is absolutely going to get my vote here. Uh, just as an, as an influential author, his impact on other writers. I mean, he's inspired inspired countless other writers um just for cultural impact alone uh stephen king is gonna get my vote here well stephen king's got another vote that moves him on to the round of 32 let's hear from everybody though jay you're up so i i kind of want to rate stephen king in this bracket and whether or not he deserves to move on uh based solely on his work as a fantasy and as a sci-fi author um, the Tommyknockers got brought up earlier, and, and rightly so. Uh, as far as other sci-fi works, I do want to throw in uh, works like The Mist, works mm -hmm. like Cell, works like 112263, uh, that all touch at least at minimum, and in many cases more deeply, on subjects that are well-suited in the sci-fi genre. Now, that being said, that's not the reason I'm moving Stephen King up. The reason I'm moving Stephen King on, and I might be the only person on this uh, episode that is familiar with this work, um, but my favorite book of all time is The Talisman by Stephen King and Peter Straub. Um, I, and, and I'm going to take the rest of my time and get a little emotional here. Uh, when I was 15 years old, I was lent that book by a very good friend in high school, uh, one who also lent me the works by Ari Salvatore and by uh, Robert Asprin, which is why I have you know such a strong opinion about it. Um, there's a character in The Talisman uh, who you know is, is this big, beefy, werewolf-like character. And, and the friend who lent me this book is this big, beefy, hairy 16-year-old uh, guy who unfortunately passed away before he turned 17. And that book is so important to me personally that I read it every February uh, and have done so for over 25 years. Uh, it is the most meaningful book I have ever picked up. Uh, Stephen King and Peter Straub built a masterpiece in my mind. And yes, I have an emotional connection to it that other people do not have. And admittedly, I read the follow-up, uh, Black House. It was fun, um, but I, I can't not allow Stephen King to move on without voicing that. Um, all the respect in the world to C.J. Cherry. All the respect in the world uh, to, to them. Unfortunately, I don't know if your name is a typo on this bracket or not, and that it's says not. something. No, I, <laughs> I know that, but you know, when it comes down to people I had to research going into this episode versus people who had a seminal impact on my life as authors, it's a no-brainer for me. Now, with that there, Stephen King's got a fourth vote. Last pick goes to Brian. Uh, there's not a whole lot more for me to say, actually. Uh, Stephen King is getting the sweep. Uh, I will simply bring up, the, because they haven't been mentioned yet, Under the Dome, sci-fi. The Stand. That's the one I was waiting for. Yes. <laughs> but Stephen King also does fantasy. I'm going to point to Fairy Tale, his newest one, was goddamn brilliant and one of my second my, my favorite Stephen King is without a doubt uh, the Shawshank Redemption my second favorite is Shawshank meets Grimm's Fairy Tales and it's Eyes of the Dragon the Eyes of the Dragon is one of my absolute favorite stories and it is definitely uh, fantasy 
and it's goddamn good. Stephen King absolutely deserves this. Nothing against C.J. Cherry, but she's up against a juggernaut. And we're ending it. We started this on four straight, on three straight sweeps. We're ending it on three straight sweeps. My lord, you guys are <laughs> calibrated. I love it. Moving into the round of thirty-two from this quadrant of the bracket, we're going to have Robert Louis Stevenson taking on Shirley Jackson, George R. R. Martin against Lewis Carroll, Susanna Clark, the eleven seed, upsetting Robert Jordan. Will take on the three seed Terry Pratchett. Then Robin Hobb will take on Stephen King. And we all feel very good about all of those outcomes. <laughs> apparently <laughs> ladies and gentlemen we hope you enjoyed the show tonight we have got six more of these episodes coming for you until we crown ourselves a champion we've got an entire other half of the bracket we haven't even touched yet it doesn't include max brooks because of reasons but hey i'm gonna get off my soapbox we do hope you enjoyed the show find the show notes for our patreon information you can find our facebook and our discord on there as well come on over and say hello actually we are actually all on there. Nope, Steven's not. Not yet. We'll get Steven on one day. But for the Boozy Bracketology Podcast, I have been Chris. I'm Carmella. <laughs> I'm Jake. I'm Brian. And I'm Jeff. And I'm Steven. And we'll see you next time. Have a good one.